This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. We begin this evening on Broadway. Well, uh, close to it anyway. Broadway is my beat. A radio crime drama. It ran on CBS from February of 1949 to August 1st of 1954. Pretty good run. With Anthony Ross portraying Times Square detective Danny Clover. The uh, show originated from New York during its first three months of the year. And beginning with the July 7th, 1949 episode... The series was then broadcast from Hollywood with producer Elliot Lewis directing a new cast in scripts by Morton S. Fine and David Friedkin. The opening theme of I'll Take Manhattan introduced Detective Danny Clover, a hardened New York City cop who worked homicide from Times Square to Columbus Circle, the gaudiest, most violent, the lonesomest mile in the world. Danny Clover narrated the tales of the Great White Way to the accompaniment of music by Wilbur Hatch and Alexander Courage, and the recreation of Manhattan's oral tapestry required the talents of three sound effect technicians, David Light, Ralph Cummings, and Ross Murray. Here, then, is the story of the Jimmy Dorn case. Broadway's My Beat. From Times Square to Columbus Circle, the gaudiest, the most violent, the lonesomest mile in the world. Broadway's My Beat, with Larry Thor as Detective Danny Clover. Broadway, where a pale and hungry girl walks like a queen because Broadway's a dream street. Where a fat man stands with begging eyes because he knows his dreams will never come true. It's a cry or a laugh, but nothing in between. Either way, it's My Beat. On special detail, there are no special hours. Dawn was at the window of my office at police headquarters when I scribbled my last report. An out-of-town school teacher was trying to beat the heat by using Columbus Circle for a burlesque runway. <laughs> I buried that one behind a convenient fan. Bid the boys a fond bonjour and started home up the side entrance. I didn't make it. All I saw of sunrise was in an alley. The alley reserved for police ambulances coming home to the morgue. A voice stopped me and invited me in. Danny! Danny, come here! The man who stood silhouetted in the slice of light was a man who called himself Kapek, the freelance photographer who hung around headquarters. You never knew he was there, but he always was. The quality of dawn, Danny. Who can hold it? Who can imprison it? It is the eternal enigma for a photographer. Why don't you go home then, Kapek? What keeps you here? Uh, that ambulance, perhaps. Huh? You see, creative men like me have a devotion. 
It is always the same. Perfection. Everything neat and perfection. Oh, so that's what it is. I watch that stretch it, Joe. Yeah, okay. Hiya, Danny. Hi, what do you got, boys? Uh, suicide. Guy jumped in front of an 8th Avenue subway. I didn't know anything about it. Well, not your department, Danny. See you later. See what I mean, Danny? Hmm? Neat and perfection. The man they're bringing in, for instance. What's neat about him? That was Jimmy Dorn, a Cinderella man who only the other day won $17,000 on the Irish Sweet Six. What? You must have read about him. How no newspaper, no newsreel could get a picture of him. Yeah, I remember. He was shy. I liked him for that. But I have a picture of him. Oh? Hmm? Dead or alive? Alive, of course. <laughs> Dead is for any hack with a brownie. Got it with you? Mind if I see it? No harm. I've already sold it to the news. Here. Here, look at it, Danny. Note the delicate play of light and shadow. The exquisite... This guy looks happy. i never seen anybody look that happy. Because Capek took it at the moment of... Jimmy Dorn's greatest joy, the supreme ecstasy of winning $17,000. Yeah, to each his own. How did you get it when no one else could? Hmm. <laughs> the famous K-Pack Pact. <laughs> it cost me $50 to arrange it. But the news paid me twice that. That much, huh? When Mr. Dorn committed suicide, it raised the price. <laughs> you see, in the newspaper game yeah. one that's not... Excuse me, K-Pack. Yeah. Danny Clover, give me the dope on a suicide name of Jimmy Dorn. Yeah, I know it's not my department. I'm nosy. Yeah. Yeah. Lily Dorn, 3rd Avenue. Okay, that's enough. You have to look, Danny. You smell something, maybe? Yeah, maybe. Be with you in a second, Kate. Hello, Benny. Danny Clover. That Jimmy Dorn suicide. Tell the chief I'm going to look into it. Yeah, Penny, yeah, I, I know, but it bothers me. Sure, I'll grab some sleep on the subway. I asked you, Danny, you smell something, maybe? Why should a guy let a subway train make his wife a widow with 17000 dollars? Why should all that sudden dough make him want to commit suicide? Mm, is it such a secret why men destroy themselves? Yeah, to me. It's not neat, Kate It just ain't neat. Third Avenue is a tenement five stories high and miles long. At nine o'clock in the morning, it was going full blast. The elevated, housewives hunched in open windows, kids flipping pennies against the wall, and every seven minutes, it's free. Somewhere between Sam Chu's hand laundry, special attention paid to pleated dress shirts, and the blue star delicatessen, cream soda, and hot pastrami two bits, somewhere between there was a doorbell. I pushed it. Yeah? What do you want? My name's Danny Clover. I want to see Mrs. Dorn. Suddenly, everybody wants to see Mrs. Dorn. Suddenly, I'm a popular lady. Suddenly, I'm... I... from the police, Mrs. Dorn. You guys don't quit, do you? All right. Come on in. You want to know how it is to win $17,000? Is that what you want to know? Look, Mrs. Dorn, I'm sorry about your husband. Oh, sure. You can feel any way you like. Tell me about your husband. Jimmy? Yeah. I'll tell you about him. Jimmy didn't like people. He got afraid of them once, and he never got over it. Why? You know, I don't know. He was always running, and I ran with him. I was his wife, Mr. Clover. 
I didn't need to know any more than that. But maybe you understood why he refused to see any reporters when he won all that money. Listen. My husband was a frightened little man who won a sweepstakes. It bought him an obituary. That doesn't tell me much. This room tells me more. This rat hole. This room says that, doesn't it? Rat hole. I didn't say that, Mrs. Dorn. I'm talking about that circus poster on the wall. Patsy Mack presents the three whirling tornadoes. Was your husband a whirling tornado? You can go now, policeman. You said your questions. Now go. Brody, please. Why didn't you stay in that room? They can't do anything more to us now. Come right on in, mister. Who are you? I'm a clever boy. I don't win sweepstakes, but I stay alive. Yeah, real clever. Now, what about this circus poster? It covers the cracks in the plaster. Three whirling tornadoes. Three men riding motorcycles in a barrel. Mrs. Dorn, for a frightened man, your husband made a dangerous dollar. Look, I told you all I know. Maybe you ought to get out of here. Why should a poster come between us, Mrs. Dorn? We were getting along fine. You heard the lady, Copper. She's saying she's finished talking. That's right, Mrs. Dorn? Yeah. What did you say? I said that's right. Maybe I should have let it alone and got some sleep. But it kept eating at me. When I found out Jimmy Dorn rode a motorcycle in a barrel, everybody got unhappy. I don't like it when it gets unhappy. So I took a walk and found myself on Broadway in front of a tired building that has a lot of names. You take your choice. You walk up four flights and you get four offers. You're perfect for a fairy tale ballet that's opening in Europe. You make a stunning cover in a muscle magazine. Can you play first trumpet with a bop Hawaiian outfit? If you got a song that's trying to be published, call it a slight theater. And on the fifth floor, you find what you were looking for. The office of Patsy Mack, promoter, entrepreneur, and a dollar a guy. Well, it isn't Danny Clover. Hi, Patsy. You still pounding the stem, Danny? Aren't you ever going to be promoted? <laughs> Promotion means a desk job away from Broadway. Who wants that? Yeah, I know what you mean. Can I give you something? Yeah, grape juice would be keen. I've got three fingers left of a bottle given me by a bearded lady who was enamored of my uh, social standing. <laughs> <laughs> It'll bring a smile to your lips. <laughs> you drink it, Patsy, and thank her for me, Patsy. Send her a dozen blue roses, uh, or is it red roses for a bearded lady? Yeah, I'll do that. She'll appreciate it. She loves delicacy. Uh, don't they all? Patsy, tell me a story. Okay. Yeah, now let me see. Who have you heard the one yeah, about... Yeah, tell me the one about the three whirling tornadoes. The three tornadoes? <laughs> what fond corner of your memory uh, clutched onto them? Tell me about them. Well, I don't remember much about them, Danny. They've been out of the business a long time. The three tornadoes, eh? Well, there were three of them. Thanks. There was no one else connected with them. Oh, no, no. The tornadoes ran their own carny. Toward the villages and the metropolises. Patsy, you've got a reputation for remembering every act that ever played a circus or carnival. What were their names? Oh, you put me on my metal, boy. Now, let me see. There was a, uh, let me see, a Jimmy Dorn. Dorn. Yeah, faint. Oh. Could he be the one who ended up under a subway this morning? I'll look into it. Who were the others, Patsy? Well, there was a fellow named, uh, let me see now, a Russian kind of a name, uh, Danilov. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Joe Danilov. Joe Danilov. And the third? Oh, now you're pressing me, boy. The third was a man named, uh, let me see, Brady? No, 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 no. Could it have been Brody? Uh, Brody, Brody, that's it. Well, how'd you know, Danny? Brady, Brody, it's a short jump. Now, try real hard. You're sure there was no one else connected with the act? Well, now, come to think of it, there was another guy. Yeah? He backed the show, I think. 
His name doesn't register, Danny. This guy whose name doesn't register. Was it you? Oh, are you kidding? <laughs> I had nothing to do with the tornado. Well, thanks, thanks a lot. You're you're a gentleman and a scholar, Patsy. And a liar. I left Patsy there waving his job nothing, which was about what I had. Nothing. An ex-carnival performer wins $17,000 and dies under the wheels of a subway train. They say he jumped. Why should he do a fatal thing like that? Why should Patsy lie to me? A one-sheet poster said, Patsy Mack presents the three whirling tornadoes. Patsy had just told me he had nothing to do with the tornadoes. Well, there's another guy I know in another place I know. His name's Pop, and he takes care of the file room of a magazine. Magazine that tells a lot about people, especially if the people are show people. The file room was deserted except for Pop. What you doing down here, Danny? Wrangling, Pop. (laughs) You don't have to hide that comic book from me. (laughs) <laughs> my wife packs it with my lunch can. Now, you take this one. Yeah. Sandra, the jungle queen. <laughs> Ain't she a honey? <laughs> Makes a man with me? Yeah, she's keen. What are you holding on a guy named Joe Daniloff, Pop? Take a second to find out. How was that name again? Daniloff, Pop. D for doll, A for avenue, N for... Uh, avenue N? Yeah, avenue N, Pop. Yeah, I got it. Only, uh, you didn't spell it right, Denny. You didn't let me finish. Didn't need to. Here's the file on Joe Daniloff, all right. Only it's D for dead. Let me see that. Joe Daniloff, ex-carnival performer, a member of the Three Tornadoes, was found dead today at the bottom of an elevator shaft. Daniloff left no survivors, his wife having died a year ago. Hey. Hey, how about this? How about what? Listen, a week before his death, Danilov came out of obscurity to win a cross-country motorcycle race with a purse of $1,000. So he made funeral expenses. That's hot news, huh? Last night, another man, a man named Jimmy Dorn, came out of obscurity to win a lot of money. He died, too. Two whirling tornadoes all played out, one after another. You know something, Danny? What? I don't know what you're talking about. I'm sorry, Pop. I was playing with a jigsaw puzzle. Well, you sit right down there and do just that. I'm going upstairs for some coffee. You want some? Hmm? Coffee, Daddy. Want some? Yeah, your coffee. Be nice, Pop. I'll just be a few minutes. Don't let anybody kidnap Sandra the jungle. Yeah, yeah. Two whirling tornadoes. The third one named Brody. Maybe you'll blow away, too. Brody and the bitter widow Dawn. And Patsy Mack, the sweet guy who told lies. That's you, Pop. Oh. I never knew what it was that slugged me on the back of my head. It wasn't a comic book. And whoever did it wasn't Pop. Just before I hit the floor, I had a flash. It wasn't Sandra the Jungle Queen either. You are listening to Broadway's My Beat with Larry Thor as Detective Danny Clover. A number of paying guests mysteriously disappear. Two elderly spinsters who entertain them have a suspiciously rising bank account. And it's a murder farm story for Casey, crime photographer, to explore on CBS Tonight. Also on CBS Tonight, you'll hear the network's famous series, Escape, in place of suspense, while suspense is on summer leave of absence. Tonight's opener on Escape will be John Russell's famous story, The Fourth Man, a tale of a Pacific Islander adrift on a raft with three murderous companions. Be sure to hear Murder Farm on Crime Photographer and The Fourth Man on Escape tonight.
They come to you on most of these same CBS stations. And now back to Broadway's My Beat. You win a lot of money or die violently or do both, and Broadway will know all about you. You get your name and your picture in the morning editions. Then Broadway won't care anymore. But I care. Maybe it's because I've got a cop's curious mind, but it bothered me why Jimmy Dawn died. So I made it my personal business. And so far, business was rotten. I was on my back when Pop brought me to. It took a little longer to find out that the press clippings I was looking at weren't around. <laughs> That's a new one. Roll for some old press clippings. This needed thinking. To think a cop's got to eat. To eat, there's a classy sidewalk cafe on the corner of Broadway and 47th where you stand up to a hot dog and a cup of coffee that dares you. I threw a lump of sugar at it when someone tapped me on the shoulder. Hello, Danny. Mind if I join you? Oh, okay, Peg. Not at all. Grab a napkin. Danny, somehow you look unsymmetrical today. What happened to your head? I had it done over. Oh, you detectives always intruding yourselves into violence and danger. Who did it, Danny? Person or persons unknown. Well, you should go home and get some rest. Yeah, what about you, Kipe? Don't you get any sleep either? <laughs> I am a vain man, Danny. I've been waiting for the noon edition of the news to come out. It has the picture I took of Jimmy Dawn. Look at it, Danny. Yeah. Is it not a magnificent reproduction? Yeah, it's quite a picture. How'd you catch the expression? Uh, for an artist like me, it is a matter of precise timing. But somehow... I feel the caption beneath this picture is not right. What do you mean? I feel the caption should not read suicide. It should read murder. Oh? Makes you say that. I have captured death in my pictures for a long time, Danny. This is the face of a man whom death was about to touch with murder, not with suicide. You talk prettier, but you think like a cop. The elements for murder are three, Danny. A widow with $17,000, perhaps a boyfriend, and... Wait a minute, Danny. Where are you going? You haven't touched your... I'm going to make a call. So you can't eat first? Who calls on a rich widow with onions in his breath? Hey, you up there. You who? You at the window. Who, me? Yeah, you. Oh, hello. Hello. Mrs. Thorne, isn't she home? You want somebody, mister? Mrs. Thorne, I've been ringing your bell. Where is she? You know where Mrs. Thorne went? There's no light downstairs. Her? Yeah, her. Oh, sure, she had a date for across the street. What? For across the street, mister. The Eagle Tavern. I saw her go in there with a guy. The Eagle Tavern took up 40 front feet of sidewalk, and its insides were designed to take up thousands of man hours of loneliness. Right now, there were only three lonely people. The bartender, Mrs. Dorn, and Brody. Mrs. Dorn and Brody were standing at the end of the bar crying real hard. I hated to do it, but I decided to ruin their evening for them. You don't know when to quit, do you, Clover? Why do you keep coming around? Like I was saying, Mrs. Dorn. What are you drinking, Mac? Nothing, nothing at all. Yeah, you can nurse that a long time. Mr. Clover, look. Please, we don't want any trouble. We got all the... It's this way, Mrs. Dorn. A long time ago, a man named Joe Danilov fell down an elevator shaft and was killed. Seems like he was nobody until he won a motorcycle race. Then he got his name in the papers. Then he died. What does that do to you? What should it do to us? I'll try a refresher. Joe Danilov was a whirling tornado. He belonged in your husband's act, Mrs. Dorn. Try to react on that. I don't know what you're talking about. You got your reaction, Clover. Now blow. Mrs. Dorn, you know your husband just might have been murdered. No. 
Try it, Mrs. Thorne. Consider it. You've got no manners at all. All you've got is a loose mouth. Wait a minute, Brody. The man said somebody might have killed Jimmy. Do you think so, Brody? Ah, this guy's trying to put poison in your brain, Lily. Don't listen to him. You think I shouldn't, huh? Why should you listen to you, Brody? Go read a book, copper. Go read a book and find out why I should hang around a woman who's married to my best friend, Jimmy Dawn. Maybe you're waiting for him to die. He did, didn't he? Yeah. yeah. I never thought of it before. Jimmy's dead, and that makes you number one boy to a lady who just inherited $17,000. That'll teach you, Lily. That'll teach you not to talk like that. Talking a woman's easy, Brody. This will be a little... Hey, what are you doing? Hey, you can't Stop play in here. Stop it! I'm running a decent joint. Stop it! Stop it! <laughs> Lily, I'm sorry. Don't cry. Please don't. Talk to him, Brody. Tell him what he wants to know. Tell him what you never told me. What happened back there ten years ago? Why were you and Jimmy always hiding? Tell him, Brody. Take off, copper. You've done your bit. Take off and feel filthy about the whole thing. Sure, only you fascinate me, Brody. If you didn't shove Jimmy Dorn in front of a subway train, what keeps you alive? First Joe Danilo, then Jimmy. There's hardly a breeze left of the three whirling tornadoes. What's keeping you alive, Brody? Now there was a guy I just had to see. Capex. There was a chance he had taken more than one picture of Dorn. Maybe in the background I'd see a familiar face. Out in Sea Beach near Coney Island, I found the door with Capex's name on it. It's you, Danny. Come in, come in, well, I come in. I didn't want to disturb you, Capex, but I just wondered if you took any more pictures of Dorn besides the one that ran in the news. Oh, I am not like other photographers, Danny, who take dozens of pictures to get one good one. I take only one, and it is always perfection. So the one in the news is the only one? Yes. Yeah. It, uh, it is important that there should be other ones? Uh, it might have been. Quite a gallery you have on the wall. Yes, yes. Come look, Danny. Come look. This one, Danny. This this girl who looks like a tired angel on a lonesome street. Yeah, nice. And look, and, and this one, a derelict asleep in the gutter. It, it has the texture and the lighting of a Rembrandt, though. Now, like a man of your talent could live in a penthouse with dancing. <laughs> Why do you live here? Hmm. I get some of my best results here. Yeah, everybody gets some. Hey, you must have got there fast for this picture. Oh, that one, yes. Well, you know my deal with the police. The minute anything violent happens, I go out with you. I get a picture. You get a body. Who was it? That is a man who was once Joe Danilov. Danilov, huh? Yes. I, I, I took this picture just after he fell down the elevator shaft. The mood of finality was magnificent. Very dramatic, Hippie. Danilov was one of the three whirling tornadoes. Did you know that? So... Well, to me, Danilov was simply a man who fell down into space and died. The picture captures the sensation, don't you think? The down-sweeping lines, the shadows like a dark caress, the broken form like some, some grotesque passion. Everything needs everything. I don't think Capek even saw me open the door and leave. It's a long subway ride and a transfer back to Broadway. Coming up from an underground of naked concrete into the blare of 49th Street, well, there's, there's a magic to it. I didn't have time to enjoy it. I had a job to do, and a chance to take. And the chance paid off. Patsy Mack was in his office, working late. Okay, Danny, so I lied here about my connection with the tornadoes. And why not? First Joe Daniloff, then Jimmy Dawn. Next, maybe me. 
Why should I take a chance? They were accidents, the people said. Oh, not just accidents. Danny, not that kind. Tell me, Patsy. Why do you think you'll be next? I don't know. Just looks like everybody connected with the tornadoes has written down a little black book. Tell me more, Patsy. This time I'm leveling, Danny. Once I managed the tornadoes, but I dropped them like they were a basket of snakes. Why? What did they do? Remember? I told you there was another guy, their backer? Yeah. Well, he got sick. He went to a sanitarium. While he was there, the tornadoes robbed him of everything he ever had. All three of them did that. Yes. Danilov, Brody, and Jimmy Dorn. Danilov and Dorn are gone. That leaves only Brody. Plus the widow Dorn and 17,000 bucks. Were you ever in a sanitarium, Patsy? No. But they might put me away for slugging a cop. Oh, what do you want me to do, Danny? Cross my heart and hope to die? Something easier than that. Use your phone for me. Anything for a friend, Danny. But you are, my friend, aren't you, Danny? Call Billboard for me. Oh, what? Personal ad, Patsy. A personal ad on the front page where a guy in the show business would be sure to see it. You phrase it. Phrase what? Just this. Anyone connected with the act, the whirling tornadoes, meet at the entrance to Crescent Midway on Coney Island tomorrow night at 11. Have information to wind up affairs of the tornadoes. Phone that in, Patsy. Because you say so, friend? Because the police say so. And Patsy... Yeah? Sign your name to it. So I had it all set up. This case had murder in it. And I was pretty sure I knew who the murderer was. It was a matter of supplying a pigeon. That was me. The next day, two things happened. The ad was on the front page of Billboard, and rain came. When I hit Coney Island 10.30 that night, it was a wet desert. Neon reflections and stragglers and empty rides. The place was shadows on field paint and shadows on shadows. I had to spot the killer before he spotted me. So I picked one of the darkest places under the framework of the roller coaster and walked into it. I really walked into it. Danny! There's such a night you picked to enjoy Coney Island. On a night like this, it is a dismal alley. I'm in a dismal mood, Capek. And that gun you're holding doesn't make it any brighter. It gives me the bravery to give orders to a policeman. You shoot me, you'll be out of character, Capek. How are you going to make it look like an accident? I have other ideas. First, I put my gun my hand in my pocket. Now I say to you, let's go. Walk, Danny. Walk. You know, Capek, I think you loused up the job. A long time ago, you told me everything was neat and perfection. You forgot to tell me you put up the door for the whirling tornadoes before you went to the sanitarium. So? So you killed Danilov and Dorn. But Brody gets away, huh? Brody and time, policeman. But first, you and I take a ride on a roller coaster. Yeah. I was wondering how you'd manage it. Neat and perfection, Danny. Now get on. I'll pay for the tickets when the ride is over. In here, Danny. You get in this first car. I'll sit in the car behind you. How are you going to work this, Capek? You going to slug me and heave me over? Like I said, you can't shoot me. Then it wouldn't look like an accident. In a few seconds, when we get to the top, you will see. And I'll keep your hands to your sides, Danny. That's better. Can you get a picture of this one, too, Capek? When we get to the top, you will see. Top was two seconds away. Now, Danny, stand up. Stand up. I stood up. Out of the corner of my eye, I saw him rise, See, too. I Take the gun out of his like pocket, its barrel in his fist. His arm came up in a wide arc, and that was the break I was waiting for. His body arched forward to strike. I twisted, grabbed his hand and elbow, and threw. Let go, let go, me, Danny. A 
How long can a roller coaster ride last? Long enough. Long enough to piece together the jagged edges of some frightened lives. Danilov and Dorn murdered. Murdered because they crossed a twisted man named Capek. Brody and Patsy Knight hugging the shadows because they were afraid of Capek's revenge. And Lily Dorn with a handful of dust and dollars. You pay for the ride here, mister. Hey, you didn't take that ride all by yourself. Yeah. A little while later, an ambulance came and picked up the dead, broken body of Capek. They took a picture of him, too. I caught a ride back to Broadway in a prowl car. Stretches out in front of you, this street called Broadway, like a midway to some cruel and fantastic circus. And you're the performer. You can walk the high wire or play it safe in a cage. Me? I guess my dodge is the wire. The gaudiest, the most violent, the lonesomest mile in the world. Broadway. My beat. Broadway's My Beat, with Larry Thor as Detective Danny Clover, is produced and directed by Gordon T. Hughes, with script by Morton Fine and David Friedkin. Musical direction is by Lud Glufkin. Be sure to join us again next week, same time, same station, for Broadway's My Beat. In just a few minutes on most of these same CBS stations, you'll be hearing the familiar strains of Someday I'll Find You. And the action, as you know, starts with Mr. Keene, the famed tracer of lost persons. A top-rating detective throughout radio's fall, winter, and spring seasons, Mr. Keene will be on hand all summer. So don't miss uh, one of his great cases these Thursday nights on CBS. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. Stay tuned for Red Skelton next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for Red Skelton to work his magic with one of his many characters. <laughs> In fact, here's the story of Junior and the Milkman. Well, ladies and gentlemen, this is Red Skelton back again. See, last week, President Truman took our time. <laughs> I knew once he'd get to the people that listened to me, he'd get in. <laughs> Procter & Gamble brings you the Red Skelton Show, starring Red Skelton, Dave Rose, and his orchestra, our singing stars, the Four Knights, Verna Felton, Lorene Tuttle, Pat McGee, and yours truly, Rod O'Connor.
Yes, it's the Red Skelton Show, brought to you by Tide, Procter & Gamble's amazing new discovery for your whole family watch. And now from Metro-Golden-Mayer, the star of our show, Red Skelton. Ladies and gentlemen, hey, Rod, you know anybody who wants to buy any old Dewey buttons? Uh, did you vote red? No, I voted American. <laughs> I laughed myself. I don't want to get lonesome tonight. Now, you know what I mean. Yeah, it was I an exciting know. election, though, wasn't it? Yeah. Everyone thought Dewey would sweep the country. Yeah, but little old Harry stole these brooms. <laughs> I uh, wonder how the candidates felt after the election. Well, after it was over, Truman passed cigars, Dewey passed the buck, and the last we heard from Wallace, he was still passing the hat. <laughs> hey, I hear tomorrow night that Wallace and his party is holding a mass meeting in a telephone booth. <laughs> you know the guy I feel sorry for is Dr. Gallup. <laughs> what happened to Gallup? He slowed down to a walk. <laughs> Well, I wonder what Gallup will do now. Oh, he'll probably go up in the mountains and become editor of Literary Digest. I <laughs> he found out that there's more voters than you can shake a pole at. <laughs> Did you watch the election returns come in over television? No, all I could get was the World Series. The World Series was played weeks ago. I know, but I'm behind in my monthly payment. <laughs> so they show me the, the old telecast. Next week, I get to see gorgeous George wrestling at the age of two. <laughs> Yes, any soap. Well, I'm... <laughs> Hold on your horses there, gal. in an awful lot of territory. You mean to tell me that Tide is the best sudger that ever hit the pike? Am I right there, Ron? Did I? You're dead right. Dead on, <laughs> Because Procter & Gamble's Tide gets clothes cleaner than any soap. Any other suds, any other washing product known. Tide works its magic on everything. From your Sunday linens to your everyday work clothes. Tide leaves them free from dirt plus. Because Tide also removes dingy soap film. Yet with all this special cleaning power, Tide is safe. Truly safe for all your washable colors. In fact, it actually brightens soap dull colors. Gives those gay prints and pastels an amazing lift. And here's what the Tide Touch does for white things. In hardest water, Tide gets shirts, curtains, and napkins dazzling. Whiter than any other washing product known. Tide keeps them white, too. Week after week. Never turns them yellow. As Deadeye says... There are stacks and stacks of wash day products, but of them all, only Tide gives you this three-way miracle, the cleanest, brightest, whitest wash you ever hung on the line. Oh, well, 
Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> I've got to tell you folks listening in what we're laughing at. We have one actor on the stage that got drunk the other night and cut his own hair. <laughs> And now, ladies and gentlemen, here are the four knights who will sing Alabama Bound. <laughs> Goodbye, blues. Birdies are singing. Every old thing's in tune. A rosebud and a star. I'm Alabama bound There'll be no heebie-jeebies hanging round Just keep the meanest ticket man on man All I'm worried To put my tusses in an upper bird Just hear the choo-choo sound I know that soon we're going to cover ground And then I holler so the world will know Here I go I'm Alabama bound I can hear the choo-choo whistle blow Watch that engine as we start to go Now we're in Baltimore and we're knocking at Dixon's door Hey, what's that, Bill? Louisville We've passed there before Fields of cotton, tell me where I am Hear the fella yelling Alabama Mammy, Mammy You better get your kisses ready for your honey lamb I'm Alabama bound There'll be no heebie-jeebies hanging People you will meet sooner or later. That, that's enough, that's enough. That, hey, that's enough. We're selling Tide and Camay, not Lava. <laughs> Have you ever met someone who has a screwball idea but no money to put it over? I met a guy like that the other day, Clem Cadiddlehopper, and you'll meet someone like him too, sooner or later. <laughs> Kill a song if nothing else. <laughs> well, sure. Well, there's the tree that Daisy June and I carved our initials in. Yes, yeah, sure. It says DJ loves X. <laughs> oh, it's kind of cool today. Fall is really here. Mother Nature's painted everything a new color. Sure wish you'd give me a few dabs too. <laughs> I don't care for the shade of green I am now. <laughs> no, I'm not worrying about my looks. If I become a success. With my flea circus, boy, I'll have be in the, uh, up to my ears and money. First, my ears hang so low to the ground now that you can barely slide a dime under it. <laughs> oh, look, here comes one of them big shaggy St. Bernard dogs. 
Or maybe I can make friends with them and get some stand-in from a flea circus. Here, Rover. Here, boy. Howdy, Clam. Well, Dave. Howdy, duty to you. You exhibiting a flea circus at the county fair. That's the truth. I'm in the flea circus business. I started from scratch, too. <laughs> Would you care to help me? What? Me be a nursemaid to a bunch of fleas? Well, don't get so uppity-uppity. After all, I remember a few years ago when you was a jitterbug. Well, where is your flea circus? Over here, in this cage here, made out of a magnifying glass. Here, have a look. Have a look. Oh, gee, they're ugly-looking things. Well, what makes them run around like they're scared? Well, don't forget they're also looking at you through the magnifying glass. Well, I like that. You do? I ought to slap your face. Well, go ahead. I was about to shift my bubble gum anyhow. <laughs> hey, take a peek at this little bunch over here rehearsing. Aren't they, nice? Aren't they tiny? Yeah, the one with the mole on his chin is my favorite. You know? <laughs> Yeah, I'm fond of all those little creatures. You know, after you're around them for a few days, there's something about a flea that gets under your skin, you know? Oh, but, Clem, a flea circus is such a foolish idea. Yeah? Why don't you do something else at the fair? Well, I was thinking of uh, setting up one of those uh, booths and sell kisses for six for a dollar and ninety-eight, see? <laughs> Might not be fun, but it would be a bargain. <laughs> If you gave her a thousand dollars. If I gave a girl a thousand dollars, she couldn't kiss me. They wouldn't let me out of my straitjacket that long. Oh, speaking of money, where are you going to get the money to pay your rental space at the fairground? Well, I tried to borrow some money from the bank. Did they give you credit? Yeah, they said I sure had a lot of nerve. <laughs> I tried to borrow some money on my collateral. How'd you come out? On my collateral. <laughs> I love this tonight. We just shucked this this afternoon, you know. You mean you couldn't float alone? Float alone? I couldn't float if somebody was holding me up. Daisy, would you like to loan me some money? Mm, how would I know that you'd pay me back? Well, haven't I always paid you back? Never. Well, then that's how you would know. <laughs> And so is every other hog in the state. <laughs> oh, look, he's got a sheep. Hey, Bo Peep, where did you get that animated ball of yarn? Now, look, son, don't go and get sour crastic. You said to bring him up here to you. No, I didn't. I said bring some fleas. Fleas? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I you said fleece. Hmm. Well, now you can see where I got my brain. There wasn't much left either. Well, what do you want with fleas? I'm going to make them perform it if I can get some money and then take them to the state fair there, you know. Ooh. Yeah, would you loan me some money so I could get to the fair? Why? Are you financially embarrassed, son? No, I'm broke. <laughs> It would take more than that to embarrass me. I'm sorry, but I ain't got a dime. I'm yet paid out my last five cents to the insurance man. Well, maybe you could hawk something. Oh, son, I hawked everything on. My hairpiece, my teeth, my false eyelashes, 
There's so much of me hanging in that hawk shop window that your pa's suing me for desertion. <laughs> Well, I guess my chances of making some money is just out the window. Well, now, Clem, mm-hmm. if you really think you can make a lot of money with that flea circus, why don't you take our old bull over there and sell him to the butcher? Well, Mo, we couldn't do that. Why? He's been in the family for five generations. <laughs> Buffalo Bill gave him to us. That bull? No, it's the gospel truth. <laughs> get arrested for this stuff. <laughs> Go ahead and take him, son. Maybe you'll make enough with your flea circus to buy us an Aberdeen Angus bull. Oh, Freeman will like to hear that. We- <laughs> okay, you pile the flea cage on the truck while I get the bull. Davy June, you want to help me put the bull in the back of the truck? Okay, I'll pull and you push. Okay, come on. Well, he's in. Clam. You have to sit on my lap. Sure, the bull's sitting on mine. <laughs> well, that's it. Well, let's go. Start the motor. Okay. No, I got it started. Now stand back while I run and put it under the hood. <laughs> well, we're off. Oh, it's a beautiful day. Clam, I can't see through the windshield. The glass is dirty. That ain't a glass windshield. Last time it broke, I replaced it with bricks. Clam, with a brick windshield, you can't see where you're going. The way I drive, who wants to see? Clam, I think our trains are coming. Oh, well, don't worry. I ain't going to cross the tracks. I'm driving right down the middle of them. Clam! Okay, I'll turn off the track. Look in the glove compartment and see if you can find the steering wheel. Don't you realize that train might hit us and smear my lipstick? Yeah. (laughs) You head with it, too. (laughs) We're coming to a tunnel. It won't be so easy for him to hit us in the dark. Why, you? Aren't you going to jump out of the car? What do you think I'm doing in midair, Reston? Come on, Noisiest Christ it's ever been on radio. Clam! Hmm? Are you all right? Well, let's see. Two arms, two legs, two heads. Yeah, I'm all here. Clam, you've lost everything. Yeah. Look at my train fleas all over the train. And look at your bull. Hmm? I said, look at your bull. Which hunk? <laughs> And now David Rose and his Procter & Gamble Orchestra will play I'll Be Seeing You.
page from the Mean Little Kid's Diary. Ever noticed how little children like to meet strangers? All kids like to be good, too, but sometimes they just don't make it. Let's see what happens to Junior, the mean widow kid. Mommy. Mommy. What is it, Junior? Mommy. What's the matter? Well, I put on my cowboy outfit, and all the juvenile jury kids laugh at me. Don't I look like a cowboy? Look, I turn around. Look. You look like a cowboy to me. Yeah, look. Junior, you're supposed to wear pants under the shafts. <laughs> oh, I thought that bear midwif was a little low and drafty. Oh, here, put on these long pants your grandmother made for you. No, they don't fit me. They yeah, don't fit me. Enough to play around in. Oh. I'll put them on. Okay. You better go wash your legs first. Why? <gasps> Why, your knees are so black, I can't see where your half socks leave off. I got news for you, kiddo. I'm not wearing any socks. <laughs> What have you done to your shoes? Your toes are sticking out. Brace yourself. I'm not wearing any shoes either. Well, go take a shower. Okay, okay. I am going to take a shower. I am going to take a shower. I have taken me shower. I have taken me shower. Hey, I've taken me shower. Did you dry real good? I didn't have to. Why? I didn't get wet. You get back in there and take a shower. Okay, well, don't hit me. Don't hit me. Well, I've looked high and low and I can't find them. Find what, Mother? Your father's false teeth. Are they gone again? Yes. Junior? Yes, Mommy Dow, what do you want? Oh, oh, oh. for goodness sake. Do you stand on a towel. Look, water's dripping all over the rug. Well, turn your head. Turn your head. <laughs> what the guy is wrong? <laughs> Did you know that your grandfather's teeth are missing again? You mean the uppers don't connect with the lowers? <laughs> Poor old boy's gonna starve, you know? <laughs> you know very well what I mean. No, I don't. Somebody took your grandfather's teeth. Well, I didn't... Look, these are mine, see? They're mine. <laughs> these what? are my own choppers. What happened to your front tooth? Oh, I lost it. Sipping spaghetti. Sipping spaghetti? Yeah, you know you take a big long string of spaghetti and... Yes. You sip it and slap you on both sides of your face, you know? Yes. And that's how I lost me tooth. Somebody tied a knot in one eye. About your grandfather's teeth. Oh. Well, who would do the trick like that? Who would take them? Who would do the trick like that? I'm looking at the person who took them. And I'm looking at the person who took them. Well, hand me a mirror. I'd like to look at him, too. <laughs> The ring. Can't you teach this boy to let things alone? Here, here. Look, Fatso. You, <laughs> you suggesting that she should whip me or something? You suggest something like that? I'm going to tell on you. You'll tell what? Oh, I tell about you being a spy in a civil war. <laughs> now that's ridiculous. I wasn't even born then. Oh no. no. Oh no. Quick, Bernard, give me the secret papers. Well, turn your back. I gotta hide them in my third petticoat. Case dismissed. Junior! Why do I let him lead me into stupid things like this? Oh, she's mad now. Now, that'll be enough out of you, young well, man. Well, she started it. Here. Now, you mind me. Put these pants on. Okay. There. Now, yeah. run along. Okay. 
And go apologize to your grandmother. Okay, I'll go apologize to you. Nemo, where's me sweet dear Nemo? They fall for this stuff, you know. Where's my my sweet Nemo? Now, don't come in here and soft-soap me. I'm not soft-soaping you. I'm sorry that I was nasty, because you're so beautiful and you're so nice. Well, (laughs) it's all right. (laughs) Now, go play and let Nemo rest. Well, can't I get you something? Let me be your slave. Can I get you a beer or something? <laughs> uh, maybe some food, some food. No, dear. No? I am hungry, but I'll fix something for myself later. Oh, okay. I will run you down. I know what I will do. I will fix her a bite to eat, and then she will love me again. Well, here I is in the kitchen. There's the gas stove. There's the matches. And me. <laughs> Frightening, ain't it, huh? What's that? Who's coming in there? Who's in there? Oh, here comes the milkman. Well, we have never met before. Well, that's his misfortune that we has to now. <laughs> I'm going to go out and see what... Here, what you doing with those milk bottles? Put them down. Huh? Well, I'm only taking the empties away. Oh, no, you not. You think you're pretty clever. Just because I was a widow kid, you didn't think I would notice you swiping them bottles, did you? I'm not swiping any bottles. You ain't? No, these belong to the company. You ain't company. You wasn't even invited. <laughs> now, you put those bottles down because they're going to they'd be trouble. And believe me, if I put my mind to it, I can get pretty nasty. <laughs> I can get pretty nasty, I can. Oh, brother. Pretty nasty, I can get. Now I know why they've got that sign on the gate, enter at your own risk. <laughs> hey, wait a minute. Don't we pay you for the bottles that you eat here? Of course you well, do. Well, then how about kicking in for them bottles that you've taken? A dime should do it, I suppose. <laughs> why, I've never heard of such a thing. You heard it now? If you don't start... Feeling a dime in me, widow Mitch. Remember, I can get pretty nasty. Okay, okay, here's your dime. Yeah, and a nickel for overtime. What? After all, you wasn't very easy to convince, you know. You all right, here's another nickel. Yeah, okay. Hey, now what you doing now? Well, I'm going to put these bottles of milk in the ice box. Only three? Well, my mummy told me to tell you that she wanted 20 bottles of milk today. She's going to take a milk bath. What? You know? Yeah, Grandma tried to take a milk bath once, but she couldn't get the cow in the tub. Well. <laughs> What'd she do? Huh? What'd she do? Well, she hoisted the cow and took a shower. Oh, Your mother wants 20 bottles of milk. I'll leave them for her. Okay, can you carry all them bottles? Sure. It's kind of hard seeing when I'm walking. Uh, 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 maybe you could help me. Famous last words. <laughs> this was a natural-born sport, anyway. You let me know how many steps there are on the back porch, Sonny. Okay, get uh, start walking, sucker. There's another step, another step, okay. Boy, I'm thinking of what would happen if I tripped with all these bottles. Funny, I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> Another step, step up. How am I doing? So good it's discouraging, you know. Should I tell him that there's a roller skate at the top of the steps? Or should I just let him ad-lib from here? Tell me, are there... Before from that haircut he got. Is there... <laughs> are there any more steps? I can't hold these bottles forever. Don't worry, you won't be. Just one more step, brother, and you really be rolling. Okay. <laughs> oh! Buttermilk.
milk fingers? What's you homogenized? Little boy, I'm getting out of here. And you can explain what happened. Oh, no, don't leave me. Oh, why do I stay a milkman? Why don't I start my own political party, pass the hat, and settle down? Here, come back here. Help me clean up this mess. If you know what's good for me, you will come back. Junior, what was that crash? If you've broken anything, I... Good heavens, what a mess. Junior? Junior? Yes, Emma? Where are you? Up in the train? Look at all this milk all over the place. What happened? Well, you know the county jumped over the moon? Yes. She didn't make a correct takeoff and she had a crash landing. Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's Dark Fantasy, followed by My Friend Irma. Thanks to Paul Stringer and Joel Schoenwell for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.